I am so sorry about that precious Andrea called. She was having trouble with the show, and then I got disconnected. So let's start this all over again, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome again, everyone, to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grace, and along with my co-host, Andrea Adams-Miller from the Red Carpet Connection, we are the hosts of Leverage Masters every week. And we have got a fantastic show lined up for you today. I'm anxious to talk to Precious, our guest today. Andrew, would you like to tell everybody a little about Precious? I would. She is absolutely amazing, by the way. Uh, Precious is actually her nickname, and that's because it's well-deserved. This woman is just fantastic. I had the pleasure of interviewing her for something else yesterday and so uh, I was so excited to hear it all again today and even more that she's able to add and let me tell you why she's so amazing so I might be butchering her name but her uh, real name is Proskovia Namazi and um, so (laughs) she's impressed that I got it right and she's never actually um, said it to me so I just assume that's how you say it So she was born and raised in Uganda, and she's the ambassador, the CEO, and the founder of Precious Kids Foundation. It's a 5013C um, from San Francisco, California is where it's based. And what they do is they conduct free medical mission camps in rural areas of Uganda to decrease the high-rising rate of preventable causes that have led to premature deaths from children to adults to everyone. She also takes, her organization takes care of orphans and widows and individuals in underserved rural villages in other African countries in the hopes of educating, equipping, and empowering the people there to be healthier, productive, and self-sustained citizens of those countries. She's uh, been a resident here for 20 years, um, and she has she is a seasoned neuroscience registered nurse for over 13 years. Hey, Precious, while I'm talking, can you put yourself on mute so we don't hear the background noise? And then when you talk again, unmute yourself. That'll help. Um, A financial educator and socially conscious entrepreneur for over seven years. She's all about giving back to other people. There is so way more to add, but we're going to do it during the show because her bio is so extensive, we would only be able to talk to her for the last 30 seconds of the show. So, (laughs) Precious, welcome and join us. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Andrea. Thank you so much. And thank you so much, Gina, as well, for inviting us. Well, I cannot wait to hear more about the work that the Precious Kids Foundation is doing. So why don't we start there? What's that all about first? (laughs) Well, what it is about is um, we take care of orphans in Uganda and um, in other African countries. And uh, right now we're operating in Kenya and Rwanda and with a vision of expanding throughout Africa. So we we help them with education and daily um, needs, and we also take care of widows and single moms, and we go mostly in the rural areas of the country of Uganda, so the deep villages where it's not easily accessible by just anybody. That's where we go. That's where we desire to go and reach out to the people there. Um, For the widows, we provide them with vocational training, adult literacy, 
so that they can be able to, you know, do work with their own skills and we help them develop the skills that they already have so that, that they can be productive in the work that they do within for their families and then the community where they live. And that's for both and the widows and the single mothers. I'm sure our listeners know about how difficult life can be in some of the African countries, but why don't you talk a little bit about you know, what, is, what are the big issues that Ugandans are facing? Um, and and would be, Precious, can you try to be a little tiny louder, too, um, oh, or closer lo- to the mic? Yeah, yes, thanks. I'm actually very soft-spoken, so that will be something I need to speak out louder. Um, I will be very careful not to generalize it as Uganda in general, like what are the challenges all Ugandans are facing because it's not the case. Um, because we have ah. some Ugandans that are really, yeah, we have some Ugandans that are really well off, and um, but the work that we do is in the villages and to communities in slums and people that are in yes, like, yes, the rural yes. villages, yes. and yeah, so that's why I would be very careful not to generalize it as Uganda. But um, what we do is to, you know how um, they say you be the change that you want to see in the world. Um, I've been taking yes. care of orphans and widows for about 12 years now, actually going to 13. And in my experience, you almost get to see the same thing going on, uh, at the, like going on and on all at the same time. So, And it's actually almost a mirror. What you see in Uganda is almost a mirror of what happens all over Africa. So when you go in the villages, in the rural communities, where somebody, um, they can almost live like a dollar uh, kind of living cost of living for them is like maybe for a dollar or five dollars, depending on where you go. So what we do is to to go out and reach out to them and be able to provide for them um, things that can help them live a productive life. You know, because when you look at a human being, you don't look at which side of the track were you born on. You look at them as a human being with dignity and respect to them. So we go and reach out to them in that capacity so that what they are lacking is what we come in and be able to help them be able to achieve. Oh, that's fantastic. And yes. are there ways that our listeners can get involved and really make a difference? Right, yeah. Oh, multiple ways. Well, uh, we do do, we take medical mission, uh, medical mission teams to Uganda. So what we do is we take volunteers from the U.S. and we go to Uganda. And those volunteers can be medical, doctors, nurses, or other medical professionals. Or we take uh, non-medical, so uh, friends who are entrepreneurs or coaches or uh, friends who have skills that they can train the communities that we go to because um, the background, what we desire is self-sustainability. As much as we, we do in our organization, go out and give to these communities and just, you know, and, and uh, lift up their lives, we also desire to train them in whatever skills that they are good at so that we don't just enable them by just giving to them, but as the word, uh, you know how the phrase goes, teach them how to fish? We actually yep. practically teach them how to fish so that when we go there one time and we may provide for them something, but as we provide, we also give them education and we train them in different skills so that they can be able to develop themselves and whatever skills they have 
So next time we go there, they may be in a better position than we found them. And another time they'll be better. And another time they'll be better. So that way, it is our desire to develop a community that's self-sustained rather than enabling them by just handing down to them. So how can somebody be involved is um, the different, we, it is a medical mission trip that we do, but we also circle it around with education sessions and community development and building that we do. So we, we have one coming up in September that is one that somebody can be part of. It is both a medical mission trip and also a community development trip. And it, we will have the education sessions that come in. Um, the other way would be on our internet, on our Facebook page. It's called Precious Kids Foundation. They can reach us out on Facebook, Precious Kids Foundation, and the same as Twitter. And Instagram is Precious Kids Love. And they can reach us out there, and as, as well as on our um, website, which is www.preciouskidsfoundation.org. And Gina, some of the really cool that. things. Go some ahead, of the yeah. really cool things about uh, participating and supporting with the group is uh, recently Precious just completed her chapter for our Keep Smiling books, so she is now a co-author, co and so she has partnered with uh, 5013C 509A, the Keep, the Keep Smiling movement so that we can help um, support her as well to um, show that uh, viral contagion of a smile and how um, doing positivity, positivity in the world and amplifying goodness affects you know, uh, the world. And one of the things that we're super excited about is helping her raise funds so that more people can go with her in September. We're also hoping that things work out, that Ken and I can also travel along with them, not only to help, but to capture um, with images and video what's happening there so that people really understand the lives of the people that are there, the widows, the children, and the people who are um, needing that extra assistance. And uh, Precious, I would love for you to share some of the success stories that you shared with me from the, a simple thing about the man who went from being deaf to being able to hear and, and how simple some of the things can be and then yet how... Um, uh, wonderfully medically intervention um, that you've done for some bigger cases that required surgery. Right. Um, one, I would be also thankful to say I'm, I'm grateful to be part of the Keep Smiling movement because in our foundation we, we, we want to show that no matter what your status is, financial, economic, or maybe wherever you are, it is not necessarily that which should put you down, but you keep smiling because there's a gratitude of you having that life that you're living. And I know that life may not be the same as the person next to you. So I'm very honored to be part of this um, Keep Smiling movement. Uh, and that's what we want to portray. I, I do understand that on videos and TV and everywhere when you see Uganda or Africa, there's that gloomy feeling of it's sad and everything. And I want to portray a picture of there's a beautiful uh, person behind all this. There are beautiful people behind this. And yes, maybe their economic status is not the best, but they, they, they live a life that is beautiful in spite of their economic status. So even when you see the pictures we portray in, our, in the, the foundation that we have, we don't put up pictures of a person who is gloomy and all that. So 
I would say that to say thank you for the privilege of being part of the Keep Smiling movement. Um, to mention a few positive things that have happened, uh, the example that she was giving, we, we, we had, it, it does take little, but it, it actually amounts to a lot of um, effects to the person who is a recipient. I can give an example. We had a five-year-old who, uh, his name was Jimmy, actually. We had a five-year-old, his name is Jimmy, and he had this umbilical hernia for almost about a year and a half, and the mother could not afford surgery on her or on him. So when we went in September last year, our medical team was able to identify him, and they took little Jimmy in, and they took him to um, the hospital to do surgery on him because every night he would have sleepless nights and he was crying in pain than Bilkohania like you would see his uh, um, navel protruding through. So we are grateful that we were in position to help little Jimmy and we did an operation on him. Our team in Uganda was able to do that perfectly well and all of it was free of charge. And um, when I went back in, in December, they brought him to me and he was this little five-year-old boy who was just playing around and like, yes, life is back to normal that he didn't have prior to that. So those are some of the beautiful stories that we have because he's a young boy, he's a child, and just like any other child, whether in America or anywhere, where they, if they have any medical problems going on, they don't get to live that life that they desire to live. But just the little things that we did for him, the surgery that we did was able to fix the umbilical hernia, and now he's walking and playing as a baby that he's supposed to be. Um, I, I have multiple, multiple stories. Just another simple one was uh, a man. There was a man, he's actually, he was 65 years old. Um, I need to recall his name, but he was 65 years old. And he had, for about five years, he had gone deaf. And the reason being, his body was producing a lot of earwax. So earwax kept building up in his ear, and next thing you know, it actually blocked him up and he became deaf. So they brought him... Uh, wow. Yeah, they brought him up to the clinic where we were, and the ENT doctors that we have, because what we do is when we have all these medical camps, we set up like a buffet of doctors. We set up tent in a in, in an area that is almost similar to maybe like a football field or something close to that, and we set up tents and we have like a buffet of doctors so that anybody who wants to can come from one doctor to the other. So we had the section for the ENT doctors, and they went in and cleaned out his ear very well, and his eardrum was cleared up, and the guy could hear. So after five years, the man was running around in the football field and going around the village screaming, oh, I can hear, it's a miracle, I can hear. So it's a miracle that we were there in time to help him. It's a miracle that we were able to actually get him the help that he needed and it was actually just cleaning out his ears with a professional which it does not come for free if he had to go to a professional doctor to to be able to clean them out so those are some of the beautiful things that uh i, I am beyond privileged to be part of in people's lives and i i, I know we i don't know how much time we have but i have multiple multiple stories one after the other oh we've got 45 well, we, minutes yet you're fine precious Okay. <laughs> um, and and well, Precious, I'm going to interrupt a second to say I'm really glad that you mentioned that about people being happy because one of the things that I have noticed 
in traveling around the world with Ken as we've been taking pictures of different people in communities. Now, mind you, while we've been taking pictures of people for books who are influencers, celebrities, entrepreneurs, you know, athletes, and so forth, and um, first responders, policemen, veterans, cancer survivors, we're really taking pictures of people who help amplify goodness and are um, part of organizations or businesses that want to show people how the more that you give back and how you create smiles helps shift the world into positivity, which, um, you know, results in peace, love, and acceptance. At the same time, we also take pictures of people who are everyday people that we see, um, you know, uh, everything from housewives to people on the street to, you know, waitresses and waiters and and people just in their regular work day to the homeless and so forth. And we don't always publish their pictures because we're doing it out of respect. And sometimes we do. It depends on the situation. We want to make sure it's done with love and not because we're, like, showcasing them or taking advantage of them. But what we often find and what makes us really excited is even when we come across people who might be in a situation where some people in society might deem them as being in poverty and financially they are statistically in the poverty range, it doesn't mean that they're not happy people. We right. have found that they sometimes the people are happier. And I have I'm, I'm going to tell a little personal story. Um, when uh, I encouraged my husband to leave his job, uh, you know, 30 years ago, or 25 years ago, and do his own thing, so we totally gave up his income. And then within two years, I left law enforcement and gave up my income. And now we already had a house and we already had vehicles and so forth, but we gave up those extra perks and things and did away with things like we took away cable and took away all that other stuff. And we realized in that moment, we're probably the happiest that we've ever been because we were more about what we had and being Mm. in the moment than trying to achieve and have more. And uh, that's when uh, that's when really we were happiest. And that's not to say you can't be really happy and have money too. I'm totally mm. all and totally support being really financially wealthy and helping people be really on their top game. But at the mm. same time, it's money doesn't have to equal happiness or take away happiness. You can choose mm. to be happy wherever you are. And exactly. so I really love that uh, Precious brought that out. That there's really ridiculously happy people and and precious when you shared your story that you didn't even know that you were poor at one time you were already just happy because your family was so awesome you know yeah exactly <laughs> and, and and that's why part of my great desire of doing I call them medical missions because we have the background of medical camps when we go, but the teams and the volunteers that we take there, we do a lot more than just medical. So that's why we take both medical and non-medical. But part of my desire to take volunteers from here to physically go to Uganda, because I may as well be, now just give me the money and then we just go. But I desire to take people on ground to get to see so that you really get to touch a person and be with a person and get to know that, oh, wow, you live with maybe a dollar or five dollars income and you are this happy and contented with what you have. 
And it doesn't matter that you, that is the life that you're living, but it's actually an attitude behind it. So, and, and it doesn't mean that we don't find some who would feel, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm poor and all that. But that's part of the training that we train them when we go there and we be like, yeah, maybe life gave you lemons. Can we make lemonade out of that? Make sure we make it pink lemonade. <laughs> Can we make it pink lemonade or something so that that training also elevates their lives instead of just feeling, oh, I'm poor, therefore please give me, give me, give me. Because we do find such who come in with that um um, I want to say mentality, but we, 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 we train them and we teach them, and next thing when they turn around, they're like, oh, we are glad you actually uh, opened up our eyes, that it's not only because we're in a poverty level, but it's the attitude behind it, and that eventually elevates them as human beings, so that when we add on to what we're doing and the medical help that they physically need, or maybe any vocational training that we help them with, but there is a background that they, they, they gain in the trainings that we give them afterwards that help them elevate them as a whole person. So it is an attitude of it, not necessarily because because we do have we do know many people who are rich even here that they're miserable, that they're not happy. So it is it is it is a combination of many things that we do within our foundation to help a whole person. I love that. And I also love that, you know, because when I first thought about, you know, because it's called Precious Kids Foundation, I, I, when you first were telling me about everything when I met you several months ago, I, right. I knew that you were helping adults too. And at first I thought, oh, I, I, I love that automatically. But I thought, oh, I wonder how that works within your mission. But I think <laughs> I answered that question for myself. And then please right. correct me or add to whatever my thought is. My theory yeah. was this. If you guys don't go into the villages and also address the issues that you can address for the adults, then you are actually minimizing the village that it takes to raise a child. Right. And so that that phrase, it takes a village to raise a child, literally right. is being true, especially in another country and here in the United States. Because if we don't help the adults learn how to take care of themselves, and have mm -hmm. them be in the best state of mind and the best health, then how can they help take care of the children that, that are around them, whether they belong mm -hmm. to them or they're someone else's child that they're help supporting? Oh, you nailed it. You nailed it. Um, it is not we, – we, we cannot look at life as an individual. We look at it collectively. The success of one family, one individual, comes from – so many other people around them. It could even be uh, somebody within your neighborhood that just helps your child in one way or the other or educates your child or gives them, as they pass by, they give them some pointers in life or maybe correct them. Uh, we, we, like you say, it takes a village to raise a child. So as an organization, we have that in mind so that we do not just go and say, we're only focusing on the children and the kids and everything because in order to successfully raise that child as an organization, in order to help them um, be able to raise it, it's a single mom or maybe a widow, in order to help them, we need to surround them with a community and environment that is also conducive to their productivity. So that's why when we go out, we don't just focus. Yes, our foundation, like I want to say our base, our um, background, me as the founder, my passion is 102% with kids. Like, you put kids around me, we are good to go. 
But I also recognize that in order for that child to grow up all around circle fully, it does take more than just us. It will take the neighbor next, next door. It will take the community around them. It will take the teachers, the person they meet at the well, the person they get to meet along when they're walking maybe in the farm or any other place. It would take that. So for us to go out and help develop the entire community would actually benefit the children that we're also working with. So, and also just because we know that technically speaking, when you want to help somebody, you, you, you literally look at the whole picture, not, okay, I'm going to give you tuition and we're good to go by. No, it, it takes a lot more to bring out productivity in a person so that when you reach maybe five years, ten years down the road, the entire person and everything that, that, that matters to that person is actually growing together with them, not just maybe tuition or vocational training, but everything all around so I'm, I'm glad you nailed it when you say because it is true. It really does take a village to raise a child. Personally, I'm an example of that. Uh, my mother was a single mom, is a single mom, <laughs> was or is, now I'm grown up. But my mother, um, we, we grew up from a single motherhood family. My dad was there, but um, he lived somewhere else, and right now, unfortunately, he's passed. But the beauty of it was I do see, when I look backwards, I see that the, our growth, if I may specifically say myself, my growth and, of course, my siblings, I have other siblings, we were a product of the neighbors and the, the, the people we ended up calling an auntie or an uncle who came around. Like we would have somebody who would say, oh, come and watch TV at my home because we didn't have a TV growing up. Or come watch TV. Oh, uh, we are celebrating. Come and have a meal together with us. Or, you know, our community that was able, different people that came in in our life or in my life to be able to raise me to be the person that I am. So that also contributes to me even knowing that, no, it's not an individual effort, but it takes all the community to raise a productive person. How old were you when you came to the United States? Um, I came in 20 years ago as of June, uh, as of June 13th, June, June 14th, as of June 14th, I was, I came in 99. So was I 17? Cause right now I'm 41. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So right now I'm 41. And did you come yeah, by I'm yourself 40. or did your I'm whole 40. family come? No, I came with my sister. I did come in with my sister. And does your sister work within the organization as well, or is she off doing her own thing? Oh, no, she actually is. Well, she's not, because the foundation, we operate here in the U.S., but then the actual work and the recipients are in Uganda. So she does work here. She does help me out here in the foundation here, and my mom as well. Oh, that's got to be exciting to work with your whole family. (laughs) Yeah, they they help in different capacities. So they don't physically go there with me or anything, but they help in different capacities here. That's my fantastic. Mom, my, sometimes when I'm traveling, my mom is like, okay, I'm going to send you some few dollars so that you can go have something with you when you're going. So it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And my, my mom, of course, um, as you may as well know, some of this is like, an individual purpose or calling upon your life. So it does take your family to actually believe in you 
and then get on board as well. My sister, my sister, she she's like always praying for me for protection on different things where she calls me and advises me on different things that we could be doing uh, to help out more with the kids. And so it, it it's one of those things that have been a blessing because they came on board in a sense that not like they're on our board members, but they came on board to know that this is a calling and the vision and purpose that I have in my life, and then they have been supportive of that ever since then. And how how long after you came to the United States did you realize that you had this calling? Um, so realizing that I had the calling it has been on even before I came because um, even when I was still back in Uganda, <laughs> I used to do, you know, like I used to gather kids around me, and for some reason I would I would be drawn to kids that are in um, underprivileged circumstances and you know that don't have enough. So I would pull, uh, like I would pull kids around me, and maybe would have like a, <laughs> you would call it like. Uh, a, a dinner or something like would cook our own little foods in the soil, you know. Or the other thing would be, I remember my mom one day. I think her, um, I think I was either ten years old or around that, and she had bought me a pair of shoes. And so one of the kids that we went to school with did not have a shoe, so I took one of the shoes out and just to share with her and just you know let each of us have something. When I went back home, my mom was like, what did you do now? Where are all those shoes? Where are the shoes that I bought you? So I, don't, I almost want to say it was not like it had been going on even before I came to the U.S., but maybe at that time, of course, I was younger and did not do, like, um, work towards it in, in the sense of being actively working towards it. But um, when I came to the U.S., I realized it, not I realized it, but what I did was I started working, of course, I went to nursing school here, and I graduated in 2005, but what I did was in 2006, when I was able to travel back to Uganda, that's when I was able to go and start actively working on it. So to answer you, it was 2006 when I went back and put um, intentional action to it. So the foundation isn't just something you do. It really is who you are. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Oh, it is so much ingrained in me that um, you know how you feel like it's it, it's not just, oh, I'm just going to do it and then, you know, retire out of it or this or that. It is ingrained in me like you can't separate me from it. Um, yep. What I do, what I think, how I think, how I do what I do, how... I reach out to people sometimes, you know, how you talk to your friends and you almost feel, oh, am I over talking about this? Because when you sit down and say, so how are the kids? Oh, so we're doing this about the kids and we're doing this. Oh, yeah, we have this program that we're bringing up for the widows and everything. And people are like, okay, so can we talk about something else? I'm like, uh, yeah, what am I supposed to be talking about? So it is ingrained in me that you don't separate me from it. And it's, it is who I am. It's what I, I want to say it is what I know is my life purpose, and I've found enormous fulfillment in it, like enormous fulfillment in knowing that this is what I've been called to do and be able to step up and do it, and, and, and I'm grateful that I've been, uh, I've been privileged and blessed to have that deep ingrained in me that it, it, I, I, don't, I can't even explain it. It's like you can't separate it from who I am. Wherever I go to speak, that's what pops up. Anybody that knows Precious knows 
their kids behind her, their widows and single moms, and the work that she does. Well, and I really I brought that to the surface so that our listeners could see it. When you mm. hear your voice and the excitement you have in your voice <laughs> talking about your work, it, yeah. it is so incredible. I am sure mm. that even though this is quote-unquote work, that for you it isn't something that feels like work. It's just right. life. It, it, you mm. don't know any other way of being. Exactly. And when you can really bring that into your business, your business mm-hmm. succeeds so much more. At the same time, you get to do so much more good in the world. This right. is what I have right. taught entrepreneurs for 20 years. It's mm-hmm. called social entrepreneurship. Right. But in my eyes, it's, it's the only way to build a business, whether it's a for-profit or a non-profit is irrelevant. If you can mm. find your purpose and build mm. the business around your purpose so that right. your business is achieving your purpose, allowing you to be and live your purpose, right. so right. much good comes out of it, not just mm. in your own life, but in the lives of all the people you touch. And right. your excitement almost becomes contagious at that point, doesn't it, Precious? <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. Um, they, I, 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 there's a new the, the socially conscious entrepreneur is a is a, a definition out there, but there's a new one that is called a philanthropeneur, and that is yes. who I am. I'm a philanthropeneur, 100%. Whatever I do mingles into the vision and the purpose that I have. When I go, even if it's to go, if, if when I go teach my clients or anything, I go teach them, but then it also backs up to the work that I do in the philanthropic um, life that I have. So, yes, you're right. When you get to do, um, there's a saying that once you get to do what you love, it no longer becomes work, but it becomes uh, you get to enjoy it for life. You no longer it's easy to become work. You don't say, oh, I'm going to work and now I'm not working anymore. Oh, I am retiring and now I'm doing this. No, you get to do it with you because that is who you are. It has been built into your, your inter- entrepreneurial lifestyle, I guess, if that's how you can put it. it it's a great way to put it. Too often, yeah, people who go out to start businesses, they're starting mm-hmm. businesses with the goal of making money. And Mm. it can feel very hard and a struggle. Mm. And Mm. so often those businesses don't succeed. I Mm. want to invite our listeners to think about it in a different light. Instead Mm. of looking at what can I do in my business to make some money, look Mm. at business as what can I do to make a difference? What passion do I have within me? To really make a difference in the lives of others and design the business to do that. The money really does follow from that. Mm. I'm sure you've seen that. Yes, I have seen it multiple times and it is... Um, as we may know, life is not just about money, but there's also a fulfillment because you may have books of money laying there, but there's no joy or fulfillment within you. So when you get to know how to merge the two, to have, yes, the life fulfillment and, of course, the money, because 
yes, we need money to in order to operate many things in life. So once you get to March that too, that is where you find you can lay down on your bed and you're comfortable and you can walk around anywhere and feel like, yeah, I I am not walking because, yes, I got all these billions of money and everything, but because um, there's a, a purpose to my money. There's a purpose to whatever I make, the money that I make. So that is where fulfillment is. That's why I really like the term you used rather than socially conscious entrepreneur, <laughs> philanthropreneur. I, I yes. love that term. So actually, much more powerful. Right. I learned that through a friend of mine. They're called the Gallants. Uh, they live in, um, I think it's in uh, Orange County. So they're the ones who, they're like, you do know you are philanthropist. I'm like, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> I've never heard the term before, but I really like that term a lot more than socially conscious entrepreneur. Well, I credit them for that. And they're called T.R. Garland and Ann Garland. They're the ones who brought it up to me. They're like, you do realize you're a philanthropist, right? Beautiful. Andrea, had you heard the term before? Uh, only out of Precious's mouth. T.R. <laughs> <laughs> Garland is and, and the yeah, and I do love it because, you know, um, my whole life I've been about giving back. And um, it actually, you know, actually was a challenge because I spend so much time giving that sometimes I have, you know, burnout or, you know, empty bank account because I see someone else in need. And so I will literally give the last of what I have to someone else. And um, and I'm happy to do it. I, I wouldn't ever not do that. And at the same time, you know, now I realize that I can't continue to give if I don't continue to receive. And so it allows me, by thinking about philanthropreneur as a together, then it forces me to be money conscious so that I can continue to give at a higher level. Mm, mm, mm. Because if I give at the detriment of self, then I, then the giving stops. And so really, you know, like, I mean, everybody always says put on your own oxygen mask. And, and, but what we don't say is what's the impact of not doing that. The impact is that you may have started to save the person beside you who's a child or an elderly person or a disabled person who couldn't put on their oxygen mask but they may need more of you than putting that mask on. So if all you did was put their mask on and not put your mask on, you helped them survive the crashing of the plane, but you were dead and not able to pull them out so that they can continue to live once the plane was landed. Right, right. And when you think about the impact that way, yeah. Please, Precious, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, and... Uh, given the heart of um, any person who works in the philanthropic world, we, we, we lead with our heart. We lead with our, you know, yeah, I want to do this. Oh, let me take out all my savings and do this and everything. We do that. That's how we lead. But it also now takes some training and some understanding that for you to be more productive, you actually have to get your finances in order you know, so that you can then go reach out to another person. I can give an example. If maybe people are sweet, and they're both drowning you cannot get out the person who is drowning when you are drowning 
So it is better when you are on safe ground. You have the the the, the life. What do you call it? The life boat. The life. You know that thing they throw out to you so that the you buoy. Come out. So the yeah, life buoy. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. life something that pulls you out. You are in a better position to help the other drowning person if you yourself are on safe ground or you're holding on to that life rope that is able to help you versus when you're both drowning. So that is one of the other things that the philanthropic, sorry, the entrepreneur side of me that I train uh, clients and I teach them it's, it's, it, you will be in a better position when you are actually well trained and well able to go out without the, the burden of saying, oh, okay, I don't have and now I'm giving. Because then after that, you give out of resentment. When you do that, you start giving out of resentment. You start giving out of, oh, I can't even pay my own bills and everything. And so, and unfortunately, that is, that is what causes a lot of burnout in some of uh, people that are working in the philanthropic world because the training of knowing how to be saved first before you go out and throw out a lifeboat to somebody else. And, and and it's not a selfish way of doing it, but it is more of helping you be able to um, serve better, be able to go out and serve the people that you're called to in a much better way and in a much more effective way. So you throw a lifeboat or a life, I wish I could know the word, but life rope <laughs> it's a life rope you yeah they're life buoys they're life savers the, all of those right. words are, are are correct all of them right english is my fifth language so i get to mix some languages in my head before i bring it out oh my goodness yeah, and, uh, yeah. keep bragging precious <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah i only know on. one and I know some really bad sign language, so even the deaf okay. people laugh at me. Okay, so so you're pretty awesome. It's a, so, and so it's precious. When you want to speak something, your language is like, which language is, what, how do I translate? And sometimes if you're even tired, it's worse, because you're like, uh, the word is translated in your mother tongue, and then you have to change it to English, and then you don't make sure you don't mix it with uh, German, and then you bring it out. So, yeah, yeah, not to brag, Andrea. <laughs> I so how does your organization <laughs> bring in the dollars it needs to be able to do the good work it does in the world? Right. We 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 desire to have people to partner with us like um greatly. Um because to be honest with you, yes, there's real work that is done on the ground. Um, I had mentioned to Andrea last year we took a team of eleven volunteers from here. And we went to Uganda, and like I mentioned, we set up camps like in a buffet setting, and doctors, rather patients Mm -hmm. coming in from one doctor to the other free of charge. In order for us to be able to say free of charge, you will come and we will guarantee that we will treat you, is because we have people that would say, I am going to give you donations and money to be able to do that. Because in order to run a medical camp, it costs like this one that we're going to do in September. It's uh, the budget we have is for fifty thousand US dollars. So in order to do that, and last year when we went to treat, we treated about four thousand seven hundred and sixty-seven patients in five days. In order to wow, patient that takes place and all those things. So and uh, we also delivered two baby girls, and I am honored to say one of them is called Baby Precious. So. <laughs> We 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 uh, we did a lot of dent extractions. Um, we did like 
1,020 dental extractions. We gave out um, 850 eyeglasses. So in order for those things to actually happen, the reality of it is we do need funds that be able, that we go to purchase the glasses, that we go to, to rent the dental equipment, to buy the actual numbing medicine that we're able to use to numb the patients, to buy the antibiotics and, and the painkillers and the blood pressure medicine, blood sugar equipment, and even the tents. You know, the tents that we need to use, the, the chairs, all those things, they either come in as, an, as a donation or they come in as money that we use to rent them. But, yes, we do, do need uh, money to be able to do that. So, um, yeah, I'm grateful for people who would like to partner with us because the need is there. And I would also invite them to come on ground so that we can physically go on ground and do it. And they get to so, see what what is actually being done with the funds that they give. So the money comes from things like grants as well as from donations, correct? Right. So right now it's more donations and a lot of <laughs> a lot of out of pocket um, because we do need more uh, donors to come on board. So you know how you, you you have a vision and a plan to run and you still need it to run, but we need more. Um, so it comes out of pocket, but we still need a lot of donations to come in financial help so that we get to you know uh, go do this work and. As a person, because of what I do, I get also to travel a lot. So it doesn't, um, what I work or what I do for work as a registered nurse, what I get, I use to be able to facilitate me and to be able to facilitate the work I do. But I would love to be able to go out without any financial attachments and be able to have donations and help that once we get the money, we go on full swing. This year and last year, we are doing only once a year. But but next year, we desire to do three times in a year. So it, 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 that, because the need we've been meeting is actually great, and financially speaking, we can only afford to do it once a year. But our desire is to do it three times in a year and spread out to all the different villages in Uganda because there are many, there are many. And then on top of that, because our vision is to spread all over Africa, we want to be able to reach out. What you see in Uganda is actually a mirror of what is in Africa. And I want to be as careful as I can be not to generalize Uganda and Africa, but I also want to, to show that the, the need is there, and once we are able to help out, it is, it, it is good. It is, it is beyond a blessing and a privilege to be in such a position. So whatever you see in Uganda is a mirror of what happens in Africa. That's why, as an organization, we desire to be able to spread, to spread out all over Africa the help that we can give. For many of our let listeners. People know. Go ahead, Andrea. Uh, okay, thanks. Um, I want to let people know who are listening. So whether you're an individual who would love to donate, you know, if you can right. give $1,000, we love you. If you're able to give 10000 we love you just the same. If you're able to give a dollar, we love you. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter to what level, and it's more than about money as well. People can donate right. points for, um, for flights. Um, 
on yes. any kind of flight because we have to fly from one place in the United States to another just to be able to take um, overseas flights and some of our uh, flight companies, you know, just as long as we have points, we can make that work. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and also we need things in kind, printing, um, um, you know, uh, stamps, um, you know, we need uh, band-aids, we need, you know, gauze, we need peroxide, we need medications. So if your company um, has products or services that could help us along with medical care or education or things like that, we need products and services. Plus, we're totally open to you, us, to you helping us pay for the shipping to get those products and services there along with the people there. So if, if, you're, um, if you have a trucking company and you can truck something that somebody else gives us from one side of the United States to the other so we can get it to a plane and somebody oh, else donates plane points, then all of a sudden we can take product over there. Yes. And at the same time, because they've partnered with us to keep smiling movement, you know, somebody who has access or has products and wants to donate, you know, cameras or um, um, uh, processors or laptops that are, you know, higher processing. I mean, Ken and I, uh, we kill our Macs because we use them. In fact, today I am uploading so much um, footage and pictures and video that when I put it into my office, it said it was going to take 157 hours to upload online. So I had to leave my computer chugging away the last two days just to create a, another backup point beside an external hard drive to an oh. iCloud. So things like iClouds and external drives and um, camera cards and video cameras and handheld oh. sets and gimbals are all things that can help further this mission oh. because the more we can document what's happening, the more we oh. can bring back. If, if you're a publishing company, if you can help us continue to publish more books or if you're even a company who'd be willing to let us um, sell the books um, for people to donate for the books that we have for the Keep oh. Smiling Movement, even books that aren't even related to Precious, we're more than uh -huh. happy to give that money back towards the partnership between the Keep Smiling Movement and Precious. Oh. So all you uh -huh. guys need to do to do that is reach out to us. You can reach out yeah. to Precious through preciouskidsfoundation.org and mm -hmm. donate through her site or email her or call her and say, I specifically want to do this or this. Right. Or you can reach out to me. Um, I'm Andrea Adams Miller. Well, you, I'll just give you the Keep Smiling Movement because that's what I'm talking about. It's keepsmilingmovement mm -hmm. at gmail.com. Or you can go to www.thekeepsmilingmovement.com and you can donate right on our site or you can reach out to me through our site. And you, if you earmark that you want that to be specifically towards the collaboration with the Precious mm. Kids Foundation, you have our 100% guarantee that that's what will happen because right. we're about creating and amplifying goodness in the world at a viral 
uh, viral mission. Right now, Precious is part of 100 books that we're publishing by the oh. end of, uh, well, by August 5th. That's the founder's birthday, August 5th. We want to have 100 books in print that we're distributing to major media people so that they can read the impact of the stories of the people like Precious Kids Foundation and what they're doing and what Precious herself is doing. So um, we, 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 that's, and if anything, if anything, if all you can do is share a post about us or share this link for people to listen, you have no idea what an impact that could be for us. So please do. Right. And and, And what I was going to suggest is that no matter what kind of business you're in, you really want to be thinking about how you and your business can be making a difference. And ideally you want to weave that into your marketing. So if your business is out there doing marketing, talking about the benefits and the features of what you've got to offer, you've only got one thing to talk about. But if you can also add in your marketing message that anytime someone makes a purchase from you, it's going to do good in the world through Precious Kids Foundation or some other organization. And you do that by every time you make a a sale, a portion of those proceeds go out to the organization. I have an affiliate network called Divizio, D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com, that allows for-profits to partner with nonprofits like Precious Kids Foundation so that it's completely automatic. Anytime a sale comes in for your company, a portion will automatically go out to Precious. To be able to do that will give you something else to talk about in your marketing. And to be able to go out and share the story of the good your organization, meaning your for-profit business, is doing in the world, really will help you attract that many more customers in the end. And at the same time, you're doing good in the world. You're becoming, oh. your business is becoming a philanthropist. So <laughs> I want to encourage yeah. our listeners to really think about how they could structure their marketing message in a way that allows them to do more good and therefore end up making that much more money still. Mm. Yeah. Um, Great and, idea. And, that is exactly what we then consider them to be as philanthropists because they send us to be able to go and do what we do. So they become philanthropists as well. So, and and um, the multiple ways that, uh, because like that would be like e-commerce, the multiple ways that a person can partner with us is, um, yes, of course, being able to, when, when they have a product, that they can, they're selling and a portion of it comes in as for the e-commerce part of it. The other way is if people who are shopping online, then we are partners with the online uh, community that they shop in. So they can say, I'm looking for Precious Kids Foundation or Kids Smiling Movement. And they say, this is how we can support you because when I go and shop, it comes on. So either that business owner or a person who shops online, those are some of the other ways that they can help or like a business, as we mentioned, because we are 501c status, and I do know that um, Andrea would keep smiling, is also 501c status. So we're able to give you tax deduction receipts, and that's the beauty of what is in America. Believe you me, that is actually a privilege here in America to be able to have um, 
donations that are given to an organization that does good in the world and given back as a tax receipt. So that's a privilege here in America that is not common in other countries. So that's something that we'd like to say people that um, who would like to be part of it. Um, people who have estate planning and they can say, hey, within the estate planning or what I do, I want to write my will and a portion of what I have or could be a house, could be a car, could be a percentage of uh, amount of money that can go towards the foundation or to go to Keep Smiling movement. Those are some of the ways that people can help or uh, in-kind donations like we mentioned. Uh, if they have computers or they have material things that they can send to us so that we can use if they are things that we can use, or they can be able to be things that we can maybe sell and then use the money to be able to help out. So multiple, multiple ways that we would encourage people to reach out to us that we can show them the different ways that they can help. And I, I don't mean to say, oh, because we are 501 c status, therefore give to us and you will receive back. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So you get more benefits or fulfillment once you give. But that is one of the advantages that I wanted to bring out um, that are here in the U.S. Endowment and estate planning and, you know, monthly donations. You can say, hey, I'm going to give $100 per month, $50 per month, and that will be something that takes us long because, uh, like, I, if I may speak for the Precious Gifts Foundation, for the orphans that we do, we, we have uh, tuition that we have to pay every single um, semester. So we have to pay that. And then, of course, their day-to-day -day upkeep and for the, the widows and single moms, vocational training, adult literacy, things like we have to buy sewing machines, we have to do farming and gardening and uh, rearing of animals and things like that, all those that monthly donations can help. Uh, so, And maybe for the medical mission, if I would say like 50 people would come up and say, you know what, I'm going to give $1,000, and we get 50 people that say that. That would cover the 50000 that we need. Or if we have 100 people who are listening out there that say, you know what, I can afford $500 and I'll give you 500 and 100 of them would say that, that would be a big blessing because that would push us forward. And right now, yes, as the founder, I'm out looking for funds that we need for our September because we need to have it by August 15th in order to have the medications and the equipment for dental equipment and other things. So between now and August, if somebody would like to say, I'm going to donate this $500 and we have 100 people that say that, that would push us forward. And so that instead of me going around and looking for the money that needs to be towards that 50000 then I would go towards being more creative and, 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 and doing more of the actual work that we do on the ground to have a productive and a, a more beneficial medical camp. So... Um, I know Andrea mentioned that, our, that to reach out the website at preciousgiftsfoundation.org. I would encourage also the best way would be our Facebook page, Precious Kids Foundation, and that's on Facebook, Precious Kids Foundation. And that would be one of the good ways that you can also reach out to us. Or even our email. Our email, um, we can use the PKF love, PKF meaning Precious Kids Foundation, but it's PKF love at gmail.com. Well, Precious, thank you so much for being here, and thank um, you from all the people you serve. It's just an amazing mission and calling. We will be back uh -huh. same time, same place next week here on Leverage Masters, and 
really think about what we've shared today and how can you make a difference in the world. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Yes. Thank you so much. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. All right.